Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. Okay, so I brought the kids with me today. Don't worry, I'll speak a little something to you guys too. But honestly, you're never too old, in my opinion, for a story. Okay, so I'm going to be reading this story to the children while you watch it on the big screen. It's just going to be dynamo. Are you ready for this, you guys? Do you think they're ready? You guys look good today. You must have woke up and said, I'm going to look good today because it happened. The Legend of the Candy Cane. Don't worry, I brought candy canes for you later, okay? Yeah, yeah, you probably. Do you want them now? No. Okay, they don't want them now. That's weird. Okay, here we go. One dreary evening in the depths of November, a stranger rode into town. He stopped his horse in front of a lonely storefront. The windows were boarded shut, and the door was locked fast. But the man looked at it, and he smiled, and he said, It will do. Although the short gray days and the long dark nights of November, the man worked. The townspeople could hear the faint pam, pam, pam of his hammer and the stitch, stitch, stitch of his saw. They could smell the sweet, clean scent of new lumber and the deep, oily smell of new paint. But no one knew who the man was or what he was doing. The mayor hoped the man was a doctor to heal his illness. The young wives hoped he was a tailor to make beautiful dresses. The farmers hoped he was a traitor to exchange their grain for goods. But the children had the strongest, deepest wish of all. A wish that did, they did not tell their parents. A deep, quiet, secret wish that none of them would say out loud. No one spoke to the man, and no one asked if he needed help. They just waited, and they watched. And they wondered, and they all wished. But one small girl watched and wondered and waited and wished longer than she could even stand. And one snowy day, she knocked at the stranger's door. Hello, she said. My name's Lucy. Do you need some help? The man smiled warmly and nodded. And then he opened the door, and Lucy stepped inside. A long counter ran down the side of the room. Bare shelves filled the opposite walls. And in the back were dozens and dozens of barrels and crates. Well, could you help me unpack? The man asked. Lucy's heart sank at the sight of all of those boxes. What if they were all barrels of nails and bags of flour? But she removed her dripping boots and hung her coat on a peg. And on the stocking feet, she crossed the rough wooden floor and knelt beside a crate. Please open it urged the man. Slowly, Lucy put her hand into the box and pulled out an object wrapped in tissue, round and heavy, and it almost slipped through her fingers. Lucy trembled a little as she unwrapped it. It was a glass jar. Lucy gave the man a puzzled look. Go on, his nod said. So she unpacked another glass jar, and then another, and another, until she was completely surrounded by jars of all shapes and sizes, tall and thin, round and squat, jars with lids, jars without. Now, said the man, for something to put inside. 
and he pulled over a huge crate stamped with a strange word. As Lucy unpacked, her eyes lit up. It was candy! Her favorite candy, crumb drops. Why don't you try some, the man said. She popped one into her mouth, and now she could hardly unwrap fast enough. Peppermint sticks, taffy, lollipops, chewy gum. Wide-eyed, she looked at the man. We wished, Lucy said. Yes, I know said the man, and here it is. Welcome to Soderman's Candy Store. I am John Soderman. Soon, the small store was filled with candies. Gleaming in those glass jars, raspberry suckers, and tiny lemon drops, brightly colored jawbreakers, and long tangles of licorice. Pink and white peppermints of, ch of church and butterscotch for balls for company. Then, in the very last package, in the very last crate, was a candy Lucy had never ever seen before. A red and white straight striped candy stick with a crooked on, on the end. What's this? Lucy asked. Well, this, Mr. Sonneman said, it's a candy cane. It's a very special Christmas candy. Well, why? Lucy asked. Well, tell me, Mr. Sonneman said, what letter does it look like? Lucy took the candy and she turned it in her hand. A J, she said. Yes, Mr. Sonneman smiled. J for Jesus, who was the born on Christmas Day. Now turn it over, and what does it remind you of? Lucy turned the candy in her hand. She peered down intently. I know, she said finally. It's like a shepherd's staff. Who was the first to find out about Jesus' birth? Mr. Sonneman asked. Shepherds in the field, Lucy answered, watching over their flock by night. But Mr. Sonneman, what are the stripes for? Lucy asked. The man's eyes grew sad. The prophet Isaiah said, by his stripes we are healed. Before he died on the cross, Jesus was whipped, and he bled terribly. The red reminds us of his suffering and of his blood. But then, Mr. Sonneman continued, the candy is white as well. When we give our lives to Jesus, his blood washes away our sin, making us white as pure as snow. That, he said, is the story of the candy cane. Is it a secret? Lucy asked. Mr. Sonneman looked at her a long moment. It's a story that needs to be told, he said. And will you help me share it? It was now the depth of December, and the town was whipped round by blizzards and winds, and for days the sun hid itself. But every morning, Mr. Sonneman and Lucy ventured out. They wore heavy woolen coats and bright hand-knit scarves, and in their stiff-mitted hands, they each held a bag. They went to every house in town. They traveled to every farm in the country. They knocked on every door and did every home. They told the story. They left a small gift, and they gave an invitation. On the afternoon of Christmas Eve, the sun finally broke through the clouds, and Sonneman's candy store officially opened. The mayor came, feeling better than he felt in days. The young wives came, dressed in beautiful smiles. And the farmers came, eager to trade grain for Christmas gifts. And the children, well, they ran dizzy in circles. 
Yes, their wishes had come true. Yes, they had come to share the opening of the candy store, but they shared something more, something way bigger, something way better. On that Christmas Eve, they shared the story of the candy cane. They told the miracle of Christ's birth and the misery of his death and the mercy of his love. All right, this is what's so cool. I'm going to read the history to your parents because it's super boring. But are you ready for this? You get a candy cane, and then you can go back to your seat, all right? Do you, now, guess what I did? I didn't go with the classic red and white because I know you, that you guys like weird tastes like sour stuff. So I went with the Jolly Rancher sour kind, so I know that you're going to love it. So pick whichever color you want, okay? Yeah, whatever color you want, buddy. I don't even know. Could be cherry. I think you probably could have two. Are you going to share with somebody about Jesus' story? Yeah, you better. Yeah, you better get two. Yep. You better get two, buddy. You did so good reading your little part on the candle. Good job, bud. Okay, you guys get to go back to children's church, yes? Okay, you guys did awesome. Look at that. Can we give them a hand? Are they the cutest? All right, Mr. Tim, thank you. They want to stay. I would, too. I like it in here. Um, the last page of this, if you're interested, it's the history of the candy cane. I can read it to you really quickly. The traditional candy cane was born over 350 years ago when mothers used white sugar sticks as pacifiers for their babies. Really, really good for the teeth. Um, in 1670, the choir master of, I think that's Cologne Cathedral in Cologne, Germany, bent the sticks into canes to represent a shepherd's staff. And he then used these white and can candy canes to keep the attention of small children during the long nativity service. Uh, that was before children's church. Uh, the use of candy canes during the Christmas service spread through Europe. In northern Europe, sugar canes decorated the sugar roses were used to brighten the homes in Christmas time. And in the no mid-1800s, the candy cane arrived in the United States when a German-Swedish immigrant in Wooster, Ohio. Have you been to Wooster? Give me a Wooster. <laughs> decorated his spruce tree with paper ornaments and white candy canes, and then the stripe was added later. I'm going to paraphrase. They believe it was someone that added it to tell the story of redemption and of Christ's birth. So, who knew so much about that candy cane? Um, I have the pleasure of talking to you today about the shepherd's staff. It's tangible Christmas, as you know. Look at this. Sean made this. I mean, the detail on this thing is amazing. <laughs> Incidentally, he took some saws to some wood, and this is what we got. I, was, um, I really wanted one that was actually, after I did a bunch of research on the shepherd staff, that's actually what I'm going to be talking about today. I don't think you knew there was so much goodness out of one item in the Christmas story. Um, before I begin, I just want to pray, because I only have, if you can believe it, I have like 12 minutes to do this. I don't know. We're going to find out, okay? <laughs> is like fast and furious, and I can talk fast. You don't even know, or maybe you do. But let me pray. Jesus, will you be with me and on this service and all the people in our hearts that you will show us what you wanted us to learn from this simple symbol? Will you teach us what you want to know? Will our hearts be open to what you have? And can our ears be open to hearing what your spirit is saying? In your name, amen. 
All right, I want to start out with, first of all, the shepherds was everybody, we talk about the shepherds all the time, but it actually wasn't that great of a job. It was kind of like the Walmart security guard people. Dude, that's the worst job. You know the guys that stand at the door checking the receipts? That's got to be the worst job. And nobody ever remembers to keep the receipt. Is anybody with me? At Costco, Sam's Club, and Walmart, I'm like, I don't know where my receipt is. It's down by the peppermint candies underneath the Cheerios. And these guys have to wait for you, and they're just looking at you like this. You know, and I, that's got to be the worst job. But back in the day, shepherds was not a job that you wanted. It just wasn't a job. Number one, it didn't pay very much. Number two, you stunk a lot. <laughs> you always smelled like sheep. Um, and thirdly, which was really sad, is the religious community, they sort of ostracized you and treated you poorly because you couldn't obey the law of Sabbath. And here these dudes would wake up every morning, their families was involved, big time. It was like a whole experience because the thing is, is sheep don't take Sabbath. You know what I mean? They're going to wander off if you let them any old day of the week. They don't care. And that's a funny thing about sheep, if you've known anything about sheep, they're kind of like super dumb. If you know a sheep, don't tell them I said that. Um, they're just not the smartest animal of all. They need shepherding. They really, really do need to be shepherded. Uh, so I'm going to discuss more about the staff than the shepherd. But before I do that, I'm going to give you a little history on the actual staff and what it was used for. The first thing is, if you notice the staff, this is actually very very close to both size and structure of the staff. It was made out of wood, usually whatever wood they have locally. They probably wheeled it a little different than an electric saw like Sean had. What was it called, Sean? What's this called that you used? A jigsaw or something? Okay, a jigsaw, sander. They didn't have any sanders. Anyways, <laughs> this, little, this little part right here was actually mission critical because they would stick this in the ground, and they shove it in the ground, and they would hang sometimes lanterns or candles on it so that they could get more light out in the fields at night. Did you know that? Another thing they would use it for is they would put it under, and they, they were always about six foot um, in height, which this isn't six foot, because I'm six foot, but it's close. They would put it under their arm, at, like such, that little hook nestled in their yummy armpit, um, to, in order to stand there long hours as they watched the herd. They had a better vantage point of everything in the distance, in the prairie, or wherever they were and they would steadily watch the sheep while leaning on their staff. Really cool. Okay, now it's time to teach you about the symbol of the staff. What I love about this little series we're doing is these are things that you can see, touch, hold in your hands that we're talking about this year for Christmas. A lot of people talk a lot about people in the story, which is great, but I just love that we're doing something a little different and talking about the tangible object of Christmas. Why did the shepherd have a staff? Well, I'm going to teach you about that, too. There was actually four reasons that I'm going to go over, because now I only have, like, eight minutes. This is lovely. Okay. <laughs> the first thing I want to do, though, is read this portion of Scripture. All right? Are you ready for that? It's in Luke. It's a big one. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all of the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Well, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that happened 
which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Do you know that this is the only people in this whole story of getting to Jesus that were told he was in a manger? They're the only people. No one got to know that little detail. The angels were really, really secret-giving that day. <laughs> and I think that's really cool because the shepherds, like I said, were kind of like nobodies. But that's who the angels came to. And I'm going to circle back to that in a little bit. The first thing the staff was used for, the shepherd, it was actually an extension of the shepherd's arm. So you think about a shepherd, he has a much greater reach when he can use his staff as a, a part of him. The staff was literally always with the shepherd. It, the shepherd and the staff walked together. And they did this for very, very good reason. The first reason that I'm going to talk about today is, let me get my notes out. Um, they were, this is the coolest thing. The staff was best for bridging relationships and bringing things together. The, the reason why the shepherd never touched the lambs, because the lamb and the sheep would get the scent of the shepherd on the wool, and wool is very, um, it, it grabs the scent and, effort, and literally odoriferous, it'll smell very much like who's ever wearing the wool after the wool is said and done. So the sheep's wool would have and carry the scent of the shepherd. He knew he could not touch the sheep because they would actually, off of scent, decide whether someone was friend or foe. What he would do is he would use his little helper, his little extension, and he would actually guide them into relationship using the crook of the staff. He would do this upon two reasons. I'm not sure you ever put this together, but do you rec recognize that the shepherds were super powerful in that time because everyone needed a whole bunch of sacrificial lambs. But what was special about sacrificial lambs? They needed to be pretty perfect. They couldn't have any... any um, problems at all. No breeding issues. So the shepherd was very, very specific on who he'd want to mate in order to get the perfect sheep. And he would do this by guiding them to each other. He would lead these two sheep together with his little staff. The second thing that this guy would do is it would actually be very, very helpful after a sheep had a baby, which they call an ew. You can say that ten times fast. Ew. Ew. Anyway, okay. They... If the mom and the baby were separated for whatever reason, he would take the crook, pick the little lamb up, bring it back to mama, mama sheep, and get them reunited. I think that's really cool. Number one, the good shepherd, the good shepherd wants us to be back in relationship with those that we might be estranged from. If you have children that have, are not serving the Lord right now, if you have family members that you're maybe not talking to in this moment, his heart for you is to bring you back together. The good shepherd's heart for you, our Father in heaven, is to be reunited with both the people that we're supposed to be with and also family. This is a little shout out to all my singles in the house. I remember being single. It's awful. And I want you to know, sometimes it can be awful, sometimes it's wonderful. I want you to know that God has a plan for your spouse. He knows the best mate for you. You don't know. <laughs> but he knows and he cares about that. He wouldn't have put this in scripture if he didn't care about who you need to be with. He really cares and he knows who's going to bring the best out of you. So rather than, I'm just going to encourage those of you, if anybody's struggling with that, be at rest that Jesus knows. And he is working something out in either you or your one day spouse. I promise he has a plan, and let him guide you and bring you together. Don't try to bring 
yourself to your spouse, that never works out very well. <laughs> okay, second thing. Really cool. Cool, right? Cool perspective. Number two. He uses this as a protective measure. And actually, I'm going to, I didn't have Sean make the rod because that's not as important, but do you know there's so many scriptures about the, the rod and the staff comfort me? And I'll talk about that in a little bit. The rod was used as more of a protective measure when the sheep were in danger. So the shepherd would obviously have his staff and then he'd have his little club. It literally looked like a little like mini bat. And instead of, you would think he's going to come up and like, well, you know, whack him. That's actually not what he would do. He would keep the staff outward to showcase to the predator, you can't get any closer to me and mine. And then he would chuck, so ninja, he'd chuck the, the little rod at the dudes, whatever predators he's dealing with. It scared the predator, and they would usually run off. If need be, he would use the staff if he had to. I thought that was really interesting, that sometimes you don't even know when God has protected you before the enemy was even close enough to take a bite. You don't even know that he's behind every open, closed, any door in your life, and he is doing a work without you even knowing it because he is your good father. Do you know how many times I will put boundaries or I will put things in play at my house to protect my children? So does your good shepherd. If you choose to go outside of those boundaries, that's when you get in trouble. He could protect you if you let him. And he wants to really badly. All right, I'm going to keep going. I got to get this done. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm a little dramatic. Okay, the third thing is, the third thing is discipline and guidance. And you probably already know a little about this, but oftentimes the staff would be used to change the trajectory or the course of the sheep's path. He would actually get it, and the sheep knew the, the crook or the, the hook part of the staff so well that they actually start feeling as though it's the shepherd's hand. He would rest it on their back. And walk alongside them with the staff right there with him, like he's holding their hand. He would actually do this before perilous paths come. He would do it so that they knew when the staff touched their back, it was a helper. It was their shepherd. He obviously would make sure that they, if they were going on terrain that was perilous or it had pitfalls or rock, rocky you know, things in their way, he would use the staff to guide them and edit their course or their trajectory so they would not hit things that would hurt them. How beautiful is that in our lives, that that's also what God does for us, that he cares about the trajectory of our life. The last thing is a little bit harder. Sometimes he would use it as discipline. He would, boop, he'd pop them <laughs> if they were off course. He would do things if they weren't listening. They were kind of dumb, and sometimes they needed a little help. A little discipline. I'm going to come back to this, but I beg of you, don't shy away from the Lord's discipline. You know that I pray this every once in a while. Actually, I pray it probably often. I say, Jesus, if there's anything in my heart, Father God, if there's anything in my heart, if there's anything that you don't like, if there's any discipline needed, will you bring it now so I don't have to do it on judgment day? Can you fix it now? So that I can stay safely and securely in the palm of your hand. 
It's not a fun prayer because sometimes stuff happens and then you're like, oh, I got to erase that app on my phone or I have to stop watching that or I have to, oh, I got to not be that, be in close connection with that person. Oh, I got to, whatever it is, I don't know. But when you ask for the Lord's discipline, he's so good to fix your path. He wants to guide you and he wants to protect you and he wants to discipline you. The last thing, and I'm almost done, don't worry, is comfort. Why does the rod and the staff bring us comfort? Because we know we have someone watching over us. And this is the story of Christ's birth. That we get the joy of his arrival, but the comfort of his presence in our life. Let me explain to you one more thing, though. What I actually think as I was really chewing, I mean, I was chewing on this a lot. I've been chewing on it all week long. There's so much more that I'm not sharing due to time. <laughs> but I'm telling you, as I started processing this, it hit me so hard. The good shepherd is obviously Father God, yes? Yes? The staff is his extended arm here on earth. I believe this symbol represents the Holy Spirit. Man, the Holy Spirit is such a big deal. He's such a big deal. He wants to guide you. He wants to protect you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to discipline you. It's, I love a couple people, Paul Greer and um, Danielle, they say it's your knower. <laughs> your knower wants to lead you down paths that you need to go and keep you away from paths that you don't understand. The Holy Spirit is a powerful, amazing thing that Jesus sent to us after he went to heaven. I'm so thankful for the Holy Spirit's guidance in my life. And I don't believe we should tell the Christmas story without talking about the Holy Spirit anymore. Jesus came to this earth. But when he left, he gave us the Holy Spirit. Need we be reminded that when you leave the Holy Spirit on your bedside table as you leave your house, that's not the right place for him. <laughs> Some of you might not understand altogether the Holy Spirit, and I know that I'm even learning. Do you know about five years ago it hit me that it was God's Spirit? I know that sounds really weird. Do you realize that God sent his Spirit to us? His Spirit that can detect and discern and knows what you need to know for your life. That can give you the words you need to say to speak over your children to know when that's a relationship that's not okay. To hear when you've got a word of encouragement for somebody. The Holy Spirit has so much for all of us. So I beg of you this morning, I'm going to end, but I beg of you, worship team, will you guys come up? I want you to spend a moment. If you have never been filled with the Holy Spirit, it's a great day to do that. For this Christmas, I would ask that you pray the prayer of asking the Holy Spirit to dwell in your heart, to be with you, to guide you. It's a powerful tool, way more powerful than the staff. Let me pray while the worship team comes up. I'll reposition my staff here. We're going to leave it here. Do you like how we're adding all the tangible things? If you guys need to come touch it, it's fine. Hold it. So as the worship band starts, starts up, I just want to remind you that I really do believe that some of you in here, you actually need comfort today. 
You need that sweet comfort. And a lot of us go to other things for that comfort. We go to entertainment. I, I'm guilty of that. I love to space out to a show. When, when life is hard, my go-to, if I'm not careful, is a show. I love being entertained by space shows. I'm not going to lie to you. Some of us go to friends and we need to talk it out. Some of us go to medication to help. Whatever it is that you go to, innately in Romans it says that all things are permissible, but it might not be profitable. The most profitable thing you can do is when you're holding something that needs comfort, is to go to the Holy Spirit, to go to Father God and ask him, will you guide me with your staff? Will you comfort me with your rod and staff? Will you guys stand for me real quick as I just pray over you? If you've not heard very much about the Holy Spirit, I would just ask that you start asking more about the Holy Spirit to God the Father. He can show you. And if you want prayer today, if today you don't want to leave here and you're kind of unsure, you're like, I think I, I think, I think I've got it, but you're not, you're not certain. We don't want to leave and go into this season without the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love that it's called the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's amazing. He knew what he was going to give us at Christmas time. We have a prayer team over here. If you need prayer for this, Sean's over here as well. If you would like a little more deutimous power, a little more I need to hear from Jesus, a little more fill my cup with nothing else but you, and you need that in your life coming into Christmas, do not sit in your seat. Do not do that today. Get prayer. It's literally so simple. Or you can just ask tonight on your bed, Lord, will you teach me more about your spirit? Will you teach me more about who you are and who I need you to be for me? Let me pray over you. Jesus, will you just come on down? Holy Spirit, you have full access in this house. You can comfort those that need it, Lord. And I know there's a lot of people that need it. I'm even talking about people that are not here today, but need it today. Jesus, I love that you can fill any space, any room. You can hold countenance. You can bring peace. And that's what this place needs, Lord. You can bring streams to deserts. Lord, will you just fill us, fill our cups with your spirit. Let us be guided by your staff and comforted as well. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for bringing Christ to this earth, Father God. Thank you for sending your son and thank you for your spirit. May you lead us and guide us as we continue in this amazing Advent season to honor and love you. In your name, amen.